just kind of feels like a wonderful Wednesday. Here comes those advanced special effects that we love so much. <laughs> we had to get that plug-in, the mug, the mug zoom plug-in designed by people at uh, Industrial Light and Magic, the ILM Labs that are responsible for all those great Star Wars swipes. We had that white, the mug wipe custom designed by them. Um, the, it, it, uh, we actually prototyped it on the Millennium Falcon uh, as part of that uh, uh, as part of that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're that high tech, folks. We are, are that right. advanced. <laughs> yeah. we have, uh, I have a side gig with them. It's what we do, you know. And people don't know this, but we played a major role. Yeah, yeah. We we almost actually a little changed. bit too much. We almost changed the culture completely by saying the coffee is strong with that one, but um, but they didn't go for it. No. <laughs> yeah, it got edited out. <laughs> they actually overdubbed it. It was in the original script, and they they changed it in, in edit post edit. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, idiot. Hello, everybody. No kidding. Where we're being a little bit more idiotic maybe than most mornings. <laughs> oh boy. Um, we have uh, we're joined today. Our guest is Jody Liss, who's joining us. Jody, uh, we'll give you a, a, a chance to give yourself the uh, an introduction to our group in case they haven't met you before. A little bit of a bio. Tell you tell folks where you're coming from. Great. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here. I um, work in the field of international development, so I'm actually applying all this great stuff that everybody here does, just to a different context, um, to communities throughout Africa. I've worked um, mostly in the education sector and now also in the health sector, um, training teachers, training health workers, doing that type of thing. So have lived in Africa for 13 years and been working in the continent for um, a couple of decades now, um, applying all, like I said, all the great stuff that you guys do um, to that type of context. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Um, we've got a couple of different things that uh, that we were going to look at discussing today. And one is um, the idea of learning engineering when mm -hmm. most of us have traditionally thought of something as maybe our role as being an instructional designer or, or the, that kind of a thing. Um, but then also uh, one of your, your recent projects as well, which gives us, I guess, a bit of context to start thinking about uh, that idea of, of learning engineering and what that looks like maybe uh, compared to, say, instructional design. Um, Etc. Um, give us the maybe the the short thumbnail in uh, uh, definition from your perspective of, of what a learning engineer is. A learning engineer takes a systematic approach to looking at how to create the best learning experiences possible. Um, so they're looking at across the spectrum, including instructional design, including human-centered design, um, including the learning science, including the learning analytics, um, and the technologies and tools themselves. So it's really trying to have a, a very holistic and systematic approach to it, trying to solve what is the problem we're trying to solve, what is the best possible learning experience that we can create. And it's really using the data um, more and more because we know all of our tools are creating so much data now. And we're just at the top of the iceberg in terms of really what we can possibly do to, with the data. So it's really being able to iterate using the data over and over and over again to again, create those learning experiences. Um, so it's really focusing on how, how you can apply those types of decisions um, and then to scale. How do you scale mm. it? And that's the type of work that I'm trying to do um, in countries um, of how do you take like a project that's you know funded through a grant and be able to scale it through the entire country. Mm. Cool. Um, and there's also a, like a Which formalization process. Oh Sorry? yeah, 
<laughs> go with go with Brent. Go with Brent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's it's that crazy lag. Sorry. Yeah. I let's yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to jump in like that. I, um, oh, it's all good. Um, yeah. Let's jump to your slides and let's talk. Oh, okay. About great. That, I think and let's uh, um. Let's talk a little bit about that. And then, like Chris said, I think the two just weave together so nicely. And and being able to put it into context, like I mentioned earlier in the green room, we've talked about learning engineering before. And I'm guessing everybody in the chat, if you want to drop in, whether you've even heard of learning engineering, and if you if you know that there's this work going on, the, uh, a community of professionals that have been doing this for years and have been trying to define what a learning engineer is. So let, let, let me know if, you, uh, um, if you've if you heard of this work that's going on while, uh, uh, you wanna bring the slides up and talk about Africa or you wanna give us a little intro first? Uh, yeah, because this is a very specific perspective in terms of learning engineering. Um, and if you had somebody from the defense sector on or somebody from academics or somebody from a corporation, it'd be completely different. Um, so please just kind of keep that in mind as I'm going through it, because the context obviously is very different. And as we all do our work, we always take that context in mind. Oh, yeah. And it's and it's gonna it's it may even change a little bit too because you guys are still in the process of trying to define it and those three sectors of folks are really trying to come together and this is the work that gets done when you're trying to standardize these types of things that everybody you know has their own perspective their own they're looking at it through their own specific lens and then yeah. you know you get all those people in a room for a long period of time and you try to you know try to hash this stuff out and try to figure out where all those commonalities are so uh right. it, it's great work there are a lot of professionals in our industry that i've known for a very long time are on that team uh and uh, and working through that so it's all it's all good stuff i see a cool. couple of folks in here um the it's it's new to them they hadn't uh, heard of it before okay. so oh, great yeah, so so that's good. Well, I'm excited to be able to to share and also learn from the people who have learned from it um, as well. So, um, like Kristen Brent said, my example is from work that I've done in Zambia. So we're engineering these learning technologies to scale in Zambia. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with it, it's down in the southern part of the continent, um, and it's. English speaking versus some of them are French speaking and Portuguese speaking. And there's you know, about 200, 300, 400 million people who live in the country. Um, so this pro project specifically is with uh, the Ministry of Health um, and it's specifically on the clinical areas of HIV and TB. Um, so my organization was asked, um, we got a contract from this, actually from the CDC um, who does a great deal of work actually in Africa as well as in, obviously in the US um, to be able to improve the quality of the performance of the health workers. So how can we be able to help them to be able you know, to um, work on giving good quality care? So the same thing that everybody else does here, you're trying to improve user learning to improve performance. Um, specifically here, it's for healthcare workers in Zambia and communities um, for HIV and TB. So what was super exciting, um, what happened over the years. So the project is almost five years old, actually. Um, in the last couple of years, the Ministry of Health has taken on e-learning more and more and more. Um, so it was really exciting for the project to get something directly from the Ministry of Health 
to say that to build the healthcare knowledge um, in these different areas, that they should be take this and it would go part of their annual practice license. So to get the ministry to be able to say, yes, these are the courses that we want you to take and you have the approval to move it forward for it, um, instead of just being, you know, those one-off type things where, okay, let's create some learning and nobody uses it or somebody uses it for a little while. So we were really super excited. And then of course with COVID, um, it's all this changing and how we're using online learning more and more. Um, so it's a, a blended learning approach, um, and this is the e-learning portal. Um, and if you're really interested, you can actually go and see the courses. Uh, it was fascinating going through the process of content development with them. Uh, the first time myself and my colleagues went, um, we went for two weeks, and the whole team, of course, thought they would have you know five e-learning courses done at the end of the two weeks. Uh, clearly, that did not happen. Three years later, um, they have 11 different courses. Um, and what's been really exciting is that we worked with um, a company that was based in Zambia and in the UK um, to build their own capacity to create um, how you do e-learning. So it wasn't like there was a contract that came in, you did the e-learning and you left it behind. They actually know how to be able to do that. So we're really excited to have built that capacity. And then the project itself. Um, was happening in um, these three areas in, um, in Zambia. So we started out in those three areas. Um, and as I said, this was the kind of the blended learning approach, which I'm sure all of you are familiar with, um, in terms of we did a workshop to train the mentors and provide it. They never heard of blended learning before. Some of them never used e-learning before. So it was really starting from the very beginning of how you actually um, use these types of tools. Um, and we actually, we also provided the tablets um, because many of them did not have access to a computer or a laptop or a mobile device. Um, and that was made available offline. So we're actually using Moodle for it. Moodle has a great offline mobile application. So we downloaded all the courses um, and once people were logged in, they could log off, do the courses and get back online. So a couple of things like that. They were also given solar um, types of charges um, for electricity, because that's another thing that people may not have available very often is um, power. So the internet and uh, electricity are big things that are taking place. So like I said, combination of blended learning approach, the mentors would come and um, visit them, the learners would take the e-learning courses. Um, as I mentioned, um, they would get a certificate and they are linked to like the National Association, especially of, of nurses and healthcare providers, um, where, would they, where they would get the continuous development credit. Um, and then the ultimate goal for the performance was improved service delivery. Um, so lots of different things going on at the same time. Um, so now we're in the transition of going from a project um, to scaling it to the country and to um, the ministry. So I know this would be similar to you and your corporations and things, but again, this is at a country level of how you bring on all of this type of thing. So you're really taking that systems approach to be able to, to move that forward. Um, you're looking at the content development process. You're looking at all the different technology tools. Um, in addition to the e-learning, they also used um, a tablet to collect information on mentoring. Um, there was information um, data from the health facilities themselves on the performance that was happening. So we're really trying to look um, at that entire structure. Um, the whole process um, of the blended learning approach, um, everybody's really more and more familiar with the data for tracking the learning. So what's the instrumentation behind it? What is the data that we wanna be able to collect to be able to show that the performance is improving? For the certification, it's really nice um, working on trying to connect um, the 
learning management system directly to the databases at the association. Um, so again, a holistic approach from learning to performance and then learning performance overall. So um, for those of you who are not familiar with learning engineering, it's not new. Um, all of these things, everybody probably does to some extent and a different range. Um, and really all this is, is trying to get people to think um, this, this much more, ho this holistic approach as we're moving forward. Um, learning engineering, the term itself came in 1967 with Herb Simon. He was the president of Carnegie Mellon. Um, and he wrote this paper about, okay, what's the job of a college president? And he was talking about budget and money. Um, and one of the areas was to create an environment that encourages learning. Um, it's, a, it's a really actually good read. And this is where he came up with the term learning engineers. Um, and they would have several responsibilities. And the most important is that they design and redesign learning experiences in particular disciplines. So that's where the term originally came from in 1967, which is, um, which is really pretty interesting. So it's, yeah, it isn't a new concept. It, and I'm, it, you know. I'm surprised it goes back that far. It seems to have sort of just vanished and then you guys brought it back to life. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people brought it back to life. Um, this work um, that I'm doing is through the IEEE, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, later um, in terms of um, where this group that has been formed to look at learning engineering as a practice, a profession, um, and a process. And so um, I'm just going to put out these terms because these are the same terms that everybody uses, and these are the same terms we're using in learning engineering, um, but just really looking at, as like I said, as a profession and as practice and process. And um, I'd like to actually just kind of start the discussion about learning engineering and seeing um, overall types of questions may people have and have, be able to share a little bit more. Um, I have several definitions to share, but I didn't really want to warp your sense yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is um, give any anything away um, because, like I said, there's lots of different definitions and lots of different ways of going about it. So I'll be sharing with those shortly. Yeah. So maybe we'll get folks in the in the chat to if, uh, you know that last slide that you were showing of the different multiple bullets, et cetera. Um, maybe we will throw that back up if we could for one second. We'll get folks to say oh, sure. just, just in the chat, are there things on there that you don't currently um, that aren't currently part of your own practice as an instructional designer? So maybe we can say identify some some gaps or differences that way um, as people think about that. And it, I also think while people are writing in, um, their their questions and and their answers to that um, that it's not like we're trying to do away with instructional mm. design oh, no, no, or no. Um, or replace it or anything like that. And if you are an instructional designer, there is there isn't this there isn't this group out there secretly saying, hey, everybody has to become a learning engineer, right? Your your work is a part of that collection of things that need to be done in that in, and, in engineering learning experiences. Right. And mm -hmm. an instructional designer may do all of this. I mean, it's just, you know, people have different titles. Um, I'm sure everyone who has the title of instructional designer, many people have different responsibilities and what they do and what their expertise is in um, because that role has expanded so much over the years. Um, so, you know, um, a lot of you are, are doing this um, in different ways. Um, and it's also, you can be a learning engineer um, and that is one aspect of it, but nobody's gonna have all these skills. Somebody may understand the basics of all these skills, like, you know, more on the project management type of side, but more in particular, it's more as a team. 
because um, you so you have like that T-shaped, right? Um, in terms of knowing and understanding what the process is and what the practice is, and then you have your expertise um, in a certain area. So you know, some not everyone's obviously going to be a data scientist. Not everybody's going to understand what you know the standards are that you're supposed to follow. Not everybody knows the products and the tools and how to develop software. Um, but it's just really as um, this team-based approach um, and that includes um, includes everybody. And you know, instructional design is obviously a key part of it. And I mean, as we were saying, instructional design keeps evolving. And so one of the things that I know instructional designers are starting to do more and more is on that instrumentation side. What data do we need to collect to be able to show that performance? Um, so that's really the one of the key areas um, of learning engineering is to bring that process into the the we've, thought. Well, we've got a we've got a bunch of great questions dropping into the okay. chat. And um, uh, I'm trying to prioritize them in my mind, but let's just hit them up right from the the top there. Um, and I apologize if I'm saying your name wrong, but Revy, uh, she asks, or he, I can't see anybody's avatar. It's a she. Oh, okay. How, <laughs> how, do you, how do you get an international development org with funding restrictions to hire this amazing person, the learning engineer? How do you get them to prioritize the role? Um, that's the question of the day, right? Everybody wants to find this magic person who has all of these types of skills. Um, so it's really, again, it's more, like I said, along that, that T-shape, somebody who understands what all these different processes are to put them together, or there's um, a team across it. So my team in Zambia, um, basically there was somebody who really understood the technology side of it. He was definitely more of the computer science type of person, but he was also a trainer. He was also an educator. He did that as well. So he understood the education side of it. And then there were people who um, understood the subject matter expert more, um, but or, or also trainers. So it was really a combination of these skills brought together with somebody kind of pulling everything like that. So that person, hey, if anybody finds them, I'm sure everybody would want to hire that person. <laughs> <laughs> and I, don't, I, I think to your point, just, just so people understand what you're saying, and I think people do get it, but for anybody, maybe not the the T that she's talking about, right? Oh, sorry. Is when we talk about skill sets that people have and whatnot, you you can be very shallow in a, a lot of uh, a different areas and have good understanding, but then one of those areas, you go very deep in that knowledge. So that's the T shape that she's talking about. And I thank you for I, that. Yeah, and I think um, I think it's a perfect way to do it. It's almost like this learning engineer becomes kind of a project manager to a certain extent too and sort of the handler of the team you have you you don't have to go deep in all of those that you had listed there but you need to have a solid understanding of of each one of those areas to know enough yeah. of what you don't know and that hey i need a specialist in that area or i need an it person to handle that part i need instructional designers to handle that part and you need to be the one to bring exactly. all those folks together but you the learning mm -hmm. engineer becomes the sort of big picture thinker and and has a, a, at least a basic understanding of all those elements en enough to understand why they're important. Yeah, exactly. Um, and especially that systems approach with engineering. Yeah, um, and I'm sure that well. does not help the answer that question much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as Jody said, it is the question of the day. Yeah. Anytime there's change, it, it's really hard to start to you know, embed that into your proposals and to get people to believe. And I think 
education, like everything else is, is the key, right? Go, you know, um, I think a lot of those links that I dropped in there have a lot of the information that Jody's talking about. So if you guys want to go there and start learning more about it, I think there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of helpful people that will help you figure out your specific mm -hmm. situation and how it might be best for them to uh, kind of influence that that role people to understand that that role is necessary so let's uh let's jump down to the next question um uh well i'm gonna try again uh <laughs> just silly say that right the holistic perspective of learning engineering makes me think of knowledge management how do these practices differ um i guess it depends on how you're defining knowledge management when i think of knowledge management i'm thinking of all the things that you're learning and the things that you want to be able to share um this is actually creating these learning experiences as best as possible so somebody can be able to learn well and to perform um so it's not so much of collecting what are the good practices you're actually implementing those best practices and implementing those good practices um more than just kind of collecting that information i don't know if i answered that question correctly when I think of knowledge management, I, uh, Go ahead, am I on a lag again? Sorry. No, no, no. When I think of knowledge management, that does evoke for me something, um, you know, finding information when you need it from that kind of perspective, as opposed to maybe a formal learning pathway. Mm -hmm. um, that's where my mindset on, on knowledge management typically goes. Yeah, like resources and and. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what does that look like? And I think, again, that's part of what a learning engineer takes into perspective, right? I think knowledge management and all the things that right. knowledge management has kind of gone out of it favor a little bit, if you will. It, but it yeah. was it was a big deal. Years ago but it is. You need to know what those approaches are. You need to know what those processes are. So yeah. you need to have that and collect yeah. that. Yeah actually implemented yeah and so i think it rolls up into that's, that's one of those elements i think that sits across the top of that t right how do you how do you deal with the stuff that people need to have access to but mm -hmm. you haven't necessarily put them into a formalized learning path or a structure there's all of that content as well that we have to think about oh so yeah it's important. of course yeah so uh cricket says that's an easier one for me to say so thank you very much for putting that <laughs> <laughs> I'm a instructional designer. I am uh, leading a learning project and multitask roles daily. We haven't implemented policies and regulations, but I'm trying. Uh, uh, more of a comment of anything, but I think. That's you, great. Uh, yeah, I think. There, our roles have changed so much that I think we're we're already all wearing a lot of different hats. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Does the systems? This is from Kim. Does this in quotes that uh, Peter Senge advocates the same or similar in the philosophy taken by the learning engineer? I'm sorry, I I'm not familiar right. with that. Yeah. Um, well, we'll skip that one for now. My background is, I mean, I, I, you know, did study somewhat instructional design and obviously implement it and create things, but I don't think I have a lot of the theory and the people behind it the way I'm all yeah. such experts in it. I'm not an expert at all in that yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. It looks like a full focus on enablement, instructional design plus operations, the why, what, and the how. Brian, uh, that's Brian Edgar's comment. Um, it's what it sounds like to me too. It's the, the full thing, instructional design plus that, enablement plus 
implementation. Yep, right, and that whole iteration process to keep creating those learning from the data to be able to keep improving those learning experiences. Yeah. What's the difference in, in when we talk about scaling up? I, I want to touch on that a little bit more because I think uh, when, we, when we talk about, you know, needing to scale up, you know, I think a lot of folks um, aren't really sure what we're talking about when we say that. So when, when you talk to folks about the learning engineer and, and scaling up and literally a countrywide implementation, uh, you know, what, what does that mean? So the project itself, so it started with these three districts um, and they trained 200 health providers um, in the project itself. Um, and then they, they've upped it almost to 500. But now there's 5,000 plus users on the platform. So it's really, you know, and I know that's really small for a lot of you who think in much more zeros than, than we do, although there's 12,000 health workers in the country. So there is a few more zeros to be added onto that. Um, so it's really thinking about it's, it's this project, it's for a set period of time, you know, all that type of thing that you know people are going with, and how do you make it um, sustainable, um, and how do you keep it going and, and moving? So how do you move it from this project to um, the actual government, in this case, the Ministry of Health? Um, so we really needed to make sure things were in place from, from the very beginning. Um, we were having discussions with the ministry to have so they would feel like they owned it and they would want to be able to continue it. And e-learning was actually one of their pillars in their strategy about how to use digital. Um, so that was already there. So it's really transferring it so that, A, the numbers, um, the technology, how do you manage all the technology side of things, um, making sure that there's staff in place at the ministry because they didn't really have that. So um, through some other mechanism, there's actually staff at a teaching hospital who's going to be able to take that over. Um, so it's really how do you you know go from your that pilot testing um, across the entire country? Um, and, yeah, I think a lot of us work on one project at a time, right? There's a there's a few learning objectives that need to be taken care of. We create our e-learning and then we release it to the LMS administrator or something they upload and they're done. And then you do the next one and then you do the next one and right. then you do the next one. Uh, you know, but this is this is this is very different. So when I think of the difference between that, say, you know, just creating little instructional bits, courses, whatever, versus having to fully ramp up really building a training team for them, teaching them how to do it, like you said, for it to be sustainable, for them to be able to maintain it. So you're not just going in and implementing this solution and then saying, oh, here's a support contract and, you know, come back and let us know if you need any help. It, it part, you know, part of that deal was, no, you're going to spin up our people so that we can run this thing ourselves. And yeah. I, and really building and, that in. So we built it in on the content side, on the technology side as well. Sorry. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a it's such a cool project, and it's it's really really interesting uh, to hear the, this type of work that you're doing, and um, and this that this type of work is out there. I think you and I uh, talked about that a little bit, or I mentioned it in an email. I don't think many people even know that you know that there's work that needs to be done in other countries in Africa, and that there are these types of opportunities. Uh, not to derail us too much uh, from this great content and the questions, but uh, how, how did you get connected with the project? I was one of those people who wanted to do Peace Corps um, and go overseas and do that type of work. Uh, so I ended up 
going to grad school for international development and um, landed in a country in West Africa called the Gambia um, and worked on some different projects there and got really hooked on doing international development activities. Um, so that's where I started, but more in the education sector of training the teachers on how you use the technology and taught at an international school and then worked um, with different government agencies and people who gave money um, to be able to implement all that kind of stuff. And then it's just been evolving over the years. Um, basically, I got my first job because I knew how to use a mouse. There wasn't very many people in the country who knew how to use a mouse at that time, because this was like the late 90s. And so like, oh, you know how to use a mouse? You can teach. <laughs> now there's plenty. And that's the whole point. Now there's plenty of people. I feel like I've worked on myself out of job almost three times now. And again, what we were just talking about in terms of building the capacity, it's like, no, they don't need me to teach how to do basic computer literacy skills. They don't need me to do this and to do that. So, um, and that's the whole whole point of it. So, yeah, almost on my fourth job. <laughs> so there, there have been a couple of questions thrown into the chat as we went along. Mm -hmm. But you know, how learning engineering? How is it different than a learning architect? And and even back to our original start of our conversation versus instructional designer, that sort of a thing. So maybe let's let's circle back that because we we've mentioned it a couple of times that you know you're mm -hmm. you're working with the the IEEE group to which is working yeah. to define this concept of a learning engineer and therefore uh, and as part of that pin down qualifications and and those sorts of things. So let's let's circle back to that cuz I think that brings uh brings back some context to this idea of this term that some Great. many folks didn't, didn't seem to didn't have a an understanding of originally. Good. So I'm going to share with you some of the different definitions and some of the ways that people have been thinking about it, um, mm -hmm. just to give you some more ideas then. One second. Let's start from the beginning. Set of the middle. Be helpful. Um, we've talked about this in, in the group, and I'm going to explain um, more about that group in a second, is will the real learning engineering stand up? And that's what some of the people were just asking. Okay, well, am I this? Am I that? Am I that? Am I a learning engineer? And it's like, you, you probably are if you do those types of skills. Um, and like I said, it's nothing new, um, but it is a term that's just being used more often in, to describe um, how to be able to manage um, these larger scale type things with the amount of data. Um, so this I already explained to you about where the story begins. Um, and this is the group um, that I've been working with um, the last almost two, three years. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the IEEE, um, it's really one, it's where all the standards come from. So for example, if you're using Bluetooth, Bluetooth standard came from the IEEE. There's hundreds of thousands of people who are involved with this organization. It's much more technology-based and much more um, engineering based, which is really how, you know, the engineering, even though we're using engineering word as yes, a systems based approach, but we're not using it used it as an engineer engineer. Um, and then there's a bunch of different ways that this organization is laid out and you obviously don't need to know all of them, um, but it falls actually under the learning technology standards committee. Um, so all the work about learning technology, um, and there's several working groups, if you're interested actually in competencies or um, adaptive um, systems or several other different areas, XAPI, um, there's several working groups working on standards for that. So if you're interested, you really should check that out. And 
under that is where we formed um, this thing that we've called ICICLE, right? The Industry Consortium on Learning Engineer. Um, if you're really curious, this other IC is this Industry Connections. Um, so we've been looking at learning engineering as a profession and academic um, discipline. We've had several working groups um, from AI, from data, from um, learning engineering as a profession, on competencies, on curriculum. Um, so we do have several Thanks, uh, um, and you're welcome to join them. We actually all, we have a monthly meeting, um, and that's the third Wednesday of every month. Um, and we're always looking for people who are interested. Um, we're at a point right now where um, we're looking really for these case studies of how do you actually apply it. So there comes in your knowledge management side of things. Um, and we one of our big things when we started was to have a conference on learning engineer. Um, so we did have a conference last year. Um, in the in Virginia, and there's a couple hundred people attended. So it was just a really great discussion um, about learning engineering. And this whole thing about instructional design and learning engineering was a hot topic. Um, so it's definitely something that um, people are curious and working on. And there's a couple of links um, that I've shared, um, hopefully, uh, that you'll see about, okay, how do you think about that difference between um, instructional design and learning engineering? So you want to check out our group. And this is the definition that we came up with. I, I Oh, this is good. Hold this right here. Um, I've uh, I've dropped in a bunch of links if you guys want to scroll back up through this, but uh, just know that I'm going to add all of these links that uh, Jody is providing for us, uh, even the stuff we don't even get to. I'll add it in the blog post that um, I write at, for this event. Mm. So all of these okay. links will be available uh, to all of you to go back and look. So any questions that we don't get to today, um, specifics, things like that, you can obviously uh, you know, reach out to Jody and uh, and find out more anything that we don't cover. But I, I'm guessing there's a lot of links here, so there's going to be a lot of she's sharing a lot of great information. Uh, <laughs> so this is good. Sorry. So let's jump back to this uh, engineering. And, yeah. Uh, no. Thank you. I, there's just so many different moving parts to it, and um, for those people who are interested, I did want to share all those different resources so you could learn more about it. Out of that conference that I just described, this was our definition that came out of it. So we're applying the learning sciences. Um, how do people actually learn? Um, all the things that go behind that. Um, the human-centered design part, thinking about the learner first. Um, and then the, here we have the engineering, the systems-based approach. And then the data part of it, um, of how we're actually using all those data from all the great technologies we have um, and applying all these things to create um, and support learners. And these were... Um, kind of more background that I just wanted to share um, that people have been thinking about it probably for the last seven, eight years have come up. Um, so this was one definition. Um, she um, was a professor at Carnegie Mellon and then Stanford, and now she's um, at Google um, and doing all this like learning engineering work. So they're talking about designing learning environments and data systems um, to be able to support of the learning. So that's one definition. Um, another definition, um, this was his definition in 2013, um, he, about the need for learning engineering, um, and we want to learn what about learning, what makes it reach deep, meaningful, and lasting. So how do we build those types of environments? Um, he just recently wrote a blog post just several months ago, and one of the things that I really picked up from that article was that it starts with a recognition of our ideas about learning teaching practices based on what we think we know about learning needs. So it's, and that's where the whole data part comes in because we can keep learning about more how they can learn. Um, so that's a way to possibly start of thinking about learning engineering. Um, 
Boris Saxberg has been a huge proponent of learning engineering. He did a lot of work at Kaplan. Um, and there's actually some, you know, some great resources that came out of that, of how they really improved the learning using all these different systems. Um, and now he's at the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation, um, and he's a learning engineering uh, work there. And then this was one book um, that came out a few years ago. Again, with Bohr and Christidi, he is at um, Harvard University um, working on all kinds of these work and digital learning. And this was his definition of it. So just wanted to share with you how people are thinking about it. And you're going to find, again, that's why I put down all those words, because there was just a lot of words that people use um, and how you want to do it. And then these were ideas. Um, there might be a learning engineer or there's just, you know, you're really going to have a team because it's a team first approach, as Frank kindly described in terms of having that broad knowledge versus um, also having expertise in a certain different area. Um, so these are some of the examples that we had come up with in terms of how do the, the teams would participate. So, yeah, mm -hmm. hopefully that was helpful for people. And, and Brian's added in the chat, it seems to me that the definition of learning engineer by IEEE and ICICLE is intended to address the ambiguity that is being called out in the comments, where there's a lot of um, vagueness in some cases and fuzziness about where things overlap or don't and what they actually are in some cases. Uh, as practitioners in the industry, we try to create titles to account for the differences of scope and instructional design, <laughs> but the words have different meanings to everyone and almost no meaning to people outside the industry. Yeah. Uh, how many times, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm an instructional designer. Mm -hmm. And people are like, what? What's that? What? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> what are you? 20 years and I can't give them a two word answer that they can understand. This I tell people thing. if you work in Africa, that's yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, just do that. This is an ongoing joke in my family. When my wife and I get a chance to go out on a date, uh, the first question is, so what is it that you do again? Mm -hmm. <laughs> How much time do you have? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to take the elevator. The elevator pitch is going to actually require us to go up and down a couple of times. Uh, we can't just do it between the first and the 10th floor, <laughs> exactly. I'm afraid. So yeah, so it, yeah. continue, Brian. Oh, so yeah. as Jody said, all of us, regardless of our titles, maybe right. doing some or all of the things learning engineers attributed to learning engineers. Uh, and Thomas says the downside <laughs> is organizations exactly. expect one or two people to do all those things. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Guys, we're, we're, we're playing our violins here, aren't we? <laughs> well, I think I think from uh, from an industry perspective, I think a lot of what's going on right now with uh, you know the COVID stuff and the pandemic, and all of a sudden people realizing, oh, this moving to digital and putting our training online and being mm -hmm. more into digital is really really important, and right. people are the, the higher ups, the executives are starting to rethink the importance of educating their, um, their their employee base and whatnot. And so I think one of the positive things mm -hmm. might be of, hey, we need more people on that training team because there are so many different moving parts that they just maybe right. weren't aware of or didn't yeah, care no. to be aware of, right? <laughs> Most business people, it's it's like how they went to school. Somebody stood up in front of a classroom and taught them their MBA content, and then they did, wrote a paper, and then that was it. So of course, corporate training should be exactly the same, and all other types of training should be exact. You know, it should just be that. Why is that so hard? 
<laughs> but with all the digital stuff, I think they're starting to get it and starting to see that there needs to be some resources and some money behind it. So, so um, Thomas, that's my hope that, uh, you know, things are changing and that, um, you know, there's, there's an understanding that this, that we're changing. One of, one of the things I wanted to mention too, sorry, I, I, uh, I just wanted to squeeze this in before we have to start wrapping things up is that I've started noticing even on the university level that some of these programs are starting to move into the engineering department. Hmm. But what's interesting not, is where it started. Yeah, still have one in what's interesting though, where they started no, for in Carnegie Mellon, um, this they have a there's there's one of the programs that you can actually learn more about learning engineering and what it is um and they've been doing learning engineering you know for many many years and that's one of the links up there is um is through them so that's also a really great part place to start somebody was asking in terms of learn understanding that but they can't this that master's degree is not in the engineering department because it's not engineering mm. it's not actually engineering but i think um, what I've seen is that they are connecting it to the IT side of it. So it's a program yeah, yeah. The, on the technology side of it. So they add some courses about instructional design. And when you're, when you're creating these IT solutions and you're engineering these IT solutions, you need to also understand that when you're applying the, the technologies that are for specifically designed for learning purposes and learning experiences that you also need to have this level of understanding as to why those systems are built and constructed the way they are. Um, it, at least that's what it looks like to me from the outside. Uh, mm -hmm. somebody, and then a couple you know, other master's programs at Boston University and at Stanford, they're actually in the education department. Yeah, yeah most mm -hmm. of them are still there. And that, that's where mine was when I went through grad school. Uh, it, was, it was definitely education heavy and it was, it was in that school. Uh, a lot of cognitive psychology and all that kind of stuff, but um, and then the and then the tech was kind of, eh, you know, not much at the time. Right. It was still too new. Uh, yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, I think it's kind of flip flopping right now. So it's like it, all that the education stuff, the cognitive psychology, all of that is kind of mm -hmm. sort of still important, but sort of taking a backseat to the other. The technical side of it a little bit and it's like hey let's let's spread that t-bar on the top out across education but go deep dive on the tech with uh with some folks and in, in our programs yeah and that's the last thing any of us would say right it's like no don't focus <laughs> on the technology <laughs> that's really the easier right? part yeah that is and then so that's the other part of it but yeah, I'll save that idea for a whole other conversation. But um. <laughs> but what's nice about the COVID is that you don't have to explain as much as you used to have to explain. Um, and then also how much work is involved and actually and the team and the money that you actually need to do the work. Not that that is available, but at least people are recognizing it. The recognition is where it all starts, right? Yeah. Having direct experience of some of these things uh, suddenly changes people's perspective. Uh, and hopefully that's, that's the way it works. So, yeah. Um, Brent, that's probably got us at a good spot to, to think about bringing ourselves to a wrap and, and dance mm -hmm. on out of here. I will quote one thing from Amy here. Learning engineer is certainly a, learning engineering is certainly way more intimidating of a title. And it is, it is a pretty serious sounding title to, to a certain degree for sure. Yeah. There's some teachers who call themselves learning engineers. It's really right sweet. On. Yeah. Cool. It's important. Excellent. The work we do is definitely important. 
Very cool. Jody, thanks so much for joining us Thank here today. Um, both, both for, you know, for both halves of the conversation, uh, seeing the, the rollout of that project, uh, it, it gives a kind of a concrete ex, uh, experience to understand and the, this idea then of what a learning engineer is. And I think lots of, lots of neat thoughts and, and et cetera being thrown into the chat today. As always, we have some very excellent and helpful folks who, who, who like to join us that way too. So. Yeah. And feel free to drop your email in there, folks, reach out to Jody. If, uh, if you want to extend the conversation and learn a little bit more about her experiences and what's going on. And um, yeah, thanks, Jody, so yeah, much for awesome. talking about this. Really, really Thank you so stuff. much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hope everybody has a great That's week. Good. It's time to have some more coffee and dance into the weekend. The weekend already. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I guess we're still. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Hey, Avron. Good to see you, my friend. I know. Time. Thanks, Avron. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm going to close this out with another special effect. Oh, hey, since I'm driving this ship this time, Chris, you get to do the special effect. <laughs> I'll do the special effect. You give us that. Here we go. Whoa. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>